Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to Wikishuffle. I'm Phil Sharman and I'm hosting because I host the special bonus episodes. And I'm joined by our usual hosts, Jack Stewart. Hello. And Chris Wallace. Hello. And a special guest. Special guest. Hello. Hello, Alex Haddo. Hello. Thank you very much for joining us and being our inaugural special guest. Thank you very much for inviting me. I feel like I should lower the expectation levels now and then we'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, well, we did, we did promise Brad Pitt. I was and no, no offence to Alex, it's I think not I, quite. I think I promised Obama. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, you did, actually. This is what I was going to talk about because I listened to episode 50 and you said Brad Pitt and I was like, no, no, no. Give Go lower so that when I appear, <laughs> yeah. people are pleasantly surprised, even though... Zero people will know who I am listening to this. <laughs> Everybody will be incredibly pleasantly surprised because they get to listen to somebody other than us. And uh, a female voice on Wikishuffle for the first time. Mm. Take that, glass ceiling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm doing it for all the women out there. But... Finally, women have achieved all they ever wanted. Yeah. <laughs> this is the pinnacle for us. I'm going to go and report back to well, women, yeah. capital yeah. W, today. Yeah. All right, pipe down, love. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Does anyone want a tea? <laughs> <laughs> so, Alex. Um, yes, my name is Alex. I went to school with Chris and Jack. Not Phil, sadly, but... No, school <laughs> wasn't really invented then. <laughs> oh, you beat me! Uh, <laughs> it's not as fun when you get the jokes in. Oh, I'm sorry. It was the same. We did go to the same school. We were just out by a generation, that's all. Mm. Oh, that's so. a whole other conversation that we haven't had yeah. yet. But yes, and I work for... I'm a picture editor for The Pool, which is a website for women. Again, that the W word. I don't know if you, you boys have read it. I read it all the time and love it. And so I'm obviously... Thank you, Phil. And I am familiar with women. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Not <Ooh>. that familiar. <laughs> um, yeah, I've dipped my toe in, but I haven't investigated fully yet. But sorry about the weird pool pun. No, <laughs> that's good. That's yeah. That was unintended. Fine. but yeah. Soon maybe you'll dive in. Maybe I will. Mm. Submerge yourself. Yes, it's, it's, it's good. Please take a look. That's the only thing I'm plugging apart from myself. That's good. It's a great piece of work to be plugging because it is a fantastic website and I do look at it pretty much every lunchtime. Um, I am a genuine fan. We need when... more men to read it as well. Men are good. Because it, it, it does this thing where it tells you what you're getting into before you get into it. Exactly. So you can't overcommit. It, you want to know how big an article is going to be before I, you start, I love that. Yeah. start reading. Yeah. That was the, the first thing I noticed. It was like, That's, every website should have that. Yeah. It's so good. And it's such a simple idea. Know, Why has nobody else thought of that before? Because we are amazing. Um, yeah. <laughs> I had absolutely no part in that feature, by did, the way, of the website. Did <laughs> that we explain the... that well enough for the listener? Oh, so essentially, um, on the pool, when you go on, when you click on, uh, on an article, at the top it says how long it will take you to read or watch the article. So if you've only got five minutes, 
Don't read a long read. Good. Save that for later. Save that for later, which you can do in our scrapbook feature. It's turning into a full-on plug now. That's good. <laughs> so, so it should be. This is the full explainer. Product. And so you're the picture editor. I am. What does that involve? That involves me getting a picture for near on every article that we publish, or illustration, or producing the videos that we do because we interview great people like Nigella Lawson that we did recently, Claudia Winkleman. If you haven't watched that, please watch it because she is crazy in the best possible way. Chris is dribbling a little bit. <laughs> Do you love Claudia? <laughs> Chris is obsessed with Claudia. I met Claudia and she is Is she like how amazing. I Amazing. She is incredible. She's my favourite one that we've done. I'm so obsessed far. with her sister. Has so if you can set me and Chris sister. up on a. She was um, Big Sue's in Peep Show. If you've no. seen Peep Show. Yeah. I didn't know well, that. Well, I didn't yeah. know that. Oh. There I we go. love Big Sue's. Well, I know they've got husbands I'm, and stuff. I'm too scared of Claudia Winkleman. She's it. I'm scared of her. She is amazing. She sounds brilliant. She would love you. She 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 loves everyone. We could talk about films and dancing. Exactly. <laughs> Your two <laughs> specialist subjects. <laughs> yeah. So we we have pictures on the Wikishuffle website and we use pictures to illustrate the podcast. Right. Our means of getting the pictures tends to be by finding them on Google. <gasps> That's the picture editor nightmare. Uh, yeah, could you tell us how likely we are to go to prison, please? Um, have you pictured any celebrity in a bad circumstance without their permission? Probably. Then Almost certainly. It's nice to have known you. And <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you soon. No, you're you're ninety nine point nine percent fine. Fine. We we're break not a lot of rules. We don't do. We? And yeah. Laws. Well, we're not making any money, so what? They can sue us yeah. if they want. They're not yeah. getting anything. Yeah, I don't think as long as you're not posting anything libelous, which we, are we you? would Say never do. Libelous. No, that's the worry. Fine. Who's ever got in, into any trouble for libel? No one. No one. No one. That is a redundant law. Mm-hmm. No, you're absolutely fine. Um, only. I guess, don't do any nudes. That's what I would say to you. Oh, well, that's next month. Yeah, yeah. buggered. Nude we, <laughs> we, we that's make, an interesting choice. <laughs> we make sure all our nude shots are originals and just of the three of us, so that's fine. With your own permission, that's fine. Yeah. Well, well, I did not give permission. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't aware of this. It's out of the window When now. is the Wiki Shuffle calendar? The, well, it was planning for this out. Christmas, and I've already done January through March. Oh, God. So... Yeah. Wasted. The, the, yeah. col- the coldest the months. Cold months. <laughs> <laughs> Start in the summer, guys. Come on. It's my first calendar. My first calendar by Chris Wallace. If you bought something in the shops that said my first calendar on the front and it was just naked pictures of you, that's troubling. You've jumped a lot there by saying they're selling it in shops. That's a good point. Already. <laughs> selling it in back alleys. Yeah. <laughs> Giving it away outside schools. Stop it, Chris. <laughs> And the calendar. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. oh, this is fine. I can see how this is going. So the great Sorry, thing yes. about the pool as well um, is that Lauren Laverne is the founder. Yes, she is. Co-founder. Co-founder. Co- co-founder. Co-founder. Sorry. It's the thing. thing. Well, it's, it's the great thing for me because I am the world's biggest Kanicki fan. Kanicki was so important to me in Aww. a way that I can't even, I can't put into words how important they well, were. Well, maybe I'll get you a signed CD. Wow. Lauren, if you're listening, I'll be asking you about this immediately after this podcast. <laughs> now, now that you've just said that, her song with Mint Royale, um, Don't, Don't Falter, Falter, is my... I listen to California Soul and then that on like the first sunny day of the year every time in my car. That is such a great it. idea. We every day always... when I get out of work, I'm like, right, it's those two songs yes, on the way home. it's such a great song. It's just so sunny. Yeah. 
So a signed copy of that would be nice. <laughs> I'm compiling the list as we speak and realising why I've been invited on this podcast. <laughs> that's, that's, that's pretty much um, what it is. The Lauren Appreciation Society. Uh, yeah, and it means that I get to trot out my Knicky anecdote. And I don't have many anecdotes go, in my go. life. I've not heard this. And I've never used my Knicky anecdote wow, in, on the podcast before, which is, which is quite remarkable. Get on with it then. In 1997, and I'll paint a picture of what I looked like in 1997. We wore onions at the time around our belt. This was the fashion in the day. So I was a scrawny 17-year-old, as hard as that may be to believe to look at me today. A scrawny, sexually confused 17-year-old boy. (laughs) (laughs) Is that that relevant? It was, because it meant that I wore glittery nail varnish everywhere that I went, and I always had eyeliner on, Mm -hmm. and I was a bit of a a strange outsider in a way that Knicky really sung to my heart. And um, one morning on the radio, there was a call to go to London and be in one of their videos. (gasps) And I went and did it, and it was the bravest thing little terrified me ever did. I got on the bus and travelled down to London, and I am in the video for Nightlife. No way! Which was released We've never heard this before. I've never seen the video. I have never seen it. YouTube. Um, it must be on YouTube. Uh, you'd have thought so. Well, I haven't checked for a while, actually. Certainly in the early Shall days. Shall I just YouTube, put an original copy of Nightlife on my list of sites? That would be amazing. I don't know. memorabilia. Yeah, I don't know how prominent I feature. I suspect not very. Knowing Lauren, she probably remembers you and will have an anecdote about how nice you were. Did you speak to her? I didn't know. No. I said, and I, after all of this gushing about Lauren, I should probably disclose that Lauren wasn't my favourite. <gasps> <laughs> Lauren, close your ears if you're listening. It, it was always Marie de Santiago that I was in love with. Well, she's still in yeah. touch with her, I believe. I, she's, I'm, I'm following Marie on Twitter now, so um, she's still around. Oh. Um, but yeah, it, so it was Marie that I was particularly starstruck by. So we went and it was record. It was just a crowd scene in a mocked-up nightclub, and we had to do the ridiculous thing nobody does in real life but we were all instructed to dance with our hands in the air nobody dances with their hands in the air no, and you look don't. at any nightclub scene no. in any film or any music video everyone's just waving around <laughs> like crazy that doesn't happen that's not how humans dance and did you have to do the thing where you danced in silence and then they put the track yeah. on yeah the so top. we were yeah. doing it to nothing yeah. at all uh, which was stupid and I was yeah. just terrified the whole way through. But that is an amazing story, though. The best part of the story is I got. I went when I found out this was happening. I went to my mum because I had to take the day off college, and I thought, oh, God, she's never going to let me do this. And mum was like, Yeah, of course you've got to do that because my mum's awesome. What? That is incredible. <laughs> And I don't Lauren think Lauren will love this story. If so it much. hadn't been for the fact that Mum had encouraged me to do it so much, I probably wouldn't have even bothered doing it. So it's a. Uh, and did you feel that that was a turning point in your life? It was, because I met a girl there as well while I was there. And this we ended up being... better and better. And the sexual confusion ended. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out it is, woman. <laughs> we ended up being pen pals for like a year afterwards. I can't even remember her name well, this now. is too steamy for podcasts. <laughs> pen pals, yeah, that's right. We oh. used to write to each other in the post. My oh. friend because Isabel used to have lots of pen pals and was a massive fan of Kiriki. Was she called Isabel? 
I don't think so. Oh, wouldn't it be good? Wouldn't it be amazing if yeah. I could reunite you with your Kaniki pen pal? I, can't, I honestly can't remember her name. That's really terrible, isn't it? it what if Isabel is listening now, day. weeping, thinking, where did Phil he go? He doesn't remember and me. And now he doesn't remember me. Oh. We were pen pals for like the best part of a year and we met her at Reading Festival the next year and I was just too gawky and awkward and we couldn't really communicate and that was it. We never really spoke again. Oh. So it's a sad ending. <laughs> nothing happened. We, we didn't, nothing came of this. this. I was an awkward chapter. teen. Can I was we put out a, a Twitter? Appeal there. I don't know yeah. that. If you're I'm, out there, I'd be I'd be mortified. I think I don't know. Video girl. Yeah, I'm not sure your girlfriend would be that fussed about this idea. Actually, so <laughs> maybe be, not. She'd be fine with it. <laughs> not to not to rekindle the love, just to you know, just to connect, just to connect. Yeah. So I'm sorry to bring this round to our usual topic, Phil. Lauren Laverne is older than you. Only barely. Uh, yeah, yeah. Only just, barely because they were really young when they were get, still, getting there. That doesn't seem right, does it? <laughs> It just seems bizarre. Ouch. No, How old are you, right. Phil? Are we allowed to know? I'm 36. And I think she's... 30, I think she's a so year older than me. It, yes, she is. Yeah, because she was doing her... Because she was just such... They were all just such great role models to me because all the Britpop bullshit that was going on at the time, yeah. I, I just didn't connect to me at all. And then there was there was Knicky making this amazing... I want to use the word spunky, but that doesn't sound like a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> this amazingly punchy, exciting, punchy. punchy, vibrant music that really did speak to me. And it was by people that were doing really well in their A-levels. That's, yeah. That meant so much to me. Yeah. <laughs> Such a feel thing. I do often doing so well. feel like a, a vast underachiever when I think that when Lauren was my age, she had already sort of conquered the music scene. That at 17, she was kind of famous for being in a great band. I when like, I was 17, we were all just at school, weren't just we? Just drinking. Just drinking, yeah. Um, yes, like that. There's a website like, where you can storm. enter your age and it tells you what yeah. David Bowie was doing at that, at that age. Oh, and why it's pretty would you do depressing. That? Yeah, that um, is... I haven't looked at it since I've been 28, but whatever he was doing at 27, I can't remember, but it was amazing. 28? And I've achieved nothing. Since when did we become 28? Uh, well, I'm 27. Since January 14th. For, yeah. Oh. <laughs> for me, at least. <laughs> I've got a month left of 27. Enjoy it, unless it you die and join the 27 club, in which case, well, unlucky. There's always that hope, isn't there? No, well, at least make it to the end of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, We've okay. not, I'll try that. I'm not we're, sure our listeners will, because um, we haven't done anything yet. So <laughs> no, we're, we're 15 minutes in and we've not shuffled once or even mentioned what it is that we do for any first-time listeners as to what the premise of this podcast is because we don't just gush about Stuff. celebrity yeah. women that we love. <laughs> But that's always nice it's to do. It's a bit do. of a feature. So, wiki shuffle. <laughs> Sorry, then. yes. So, why have we why have we brought you here, Alex? I it's don't know. Because we have asked you to bring with you some Wikipedia articles. Yes, you have, and uh, I have. I mean, have. I mean, technically, I asked you to bring one. Uh, you've overachieved here. So, I've brought four yeah. and notes and notes underlining. A level of preparedness this podcast has never before seen. Well, I said that while you were out of the room that Alex is now officially the second most prepared member of this podcast throughout history. Okay. She's done far more than me and Chris. Is there have. a plaque to commemorate that, or do we I just, just have we to can live get one? It? We're not that organised. Really? <laughs> <laughs> It'll take a while. But yeah, we'll get that. cool. Yeah, great. So we're foregoing our usual random article button pressing. We're going to be looking at the articles that Alex has brought along. I don't know yes. what they are yet. Jack doesn't. Chris has seen what they are just to make sure that she got it. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. they weren't totally heinous and out of order. Yeah. <laughs> But, yeah, but you've good. done well, apparently. Yes. So yes. the feedback is all very good. Apparently so. And that we've got some good subjects that we can yes. talk about today. So we're not going to press the random article button, but we are going to speak about certain subjects. Mm-hmm. 
I'm so glad you've chosen this article. This makes me very happy. Thank you. Shall I introduce it? Yes, please do. As the guest, yes, that would make sense. Okay, so when I was picking um, articles to bring to you today, I thought, what do I usually use Wikipedia for? And it's usually researching more about films based on real life, after I've watched them, and conspiracy theories, (laughs) which explains my first choice, which is David Icke. Yeah. (laughs) Which is wonderful. And I kind of had heard his name bandied around quite a lot. I knew a little bit about him. But not the full-on, wow, David Icke as a person. Mm-hmm. Here he is, condensed into 13 pages front and back. <laughs> <laughs> he, has, he has led a life, <laughs> a very interesting life. The news hook was actually Terry Wogan, because Terry Wogan had a very seminal mm-hmm. interview with him. Mm-hmm. But uh, he doesn't come out well in it. So, uh, oh, dear. Well, Love we'll, said Terry. We'll, we'll but, get um, to that stage. We'll get to then. that. I use, if I'm really bored, I always just go on his um, forums on davidike.com. It's just... And it's amazing. It's the best use of time. Yeah. <laughs> I am I think I might... <laughs> it's the best use no, of time. No, it is, it is. Because it's just, you learn so much about nutters. He needs, yeah, yeah. he needs, you know how, like, Justin Bieber fans are called believers? And, you know, pop stars now have their... Sort of monikers for their absolutely. Fans. Hello, David... shufflers. Thank you for listening. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> On brand. David Icke needs, you know, what could he have? Ikeites. Yes. Uh, lizards. He loves lizards. It's because I was like, who has that mental theory about the royal family being lizards? Which led me to the wonder that is David Icke. It's not that mental. I'm looking. I don't think it's that much of a stretch. <laughs> if we're being honest. Are you, are you an Ikeite? Um, you know what though. This is going to make me sound like a total freak, but I do think that a lot of what he says is true, but he goes too far and adds in a whole lizard layer. And the lizard layer, you don't need that. Take the lizard away. Yeah. And you've got, you know, still some mental shit, but Mm. But, some comments which aren't as crazy as you think. Because I don't know much about him except for thinking that he's mental, so I'm looking forward to finding out. When when we briefed Alex before we started recording the podcast, <laughs> one of the things we said was, what we generally like to do on Wikishuffle is we like to not be mean about people. And, <laughs> <laughs> no, but actually, the, uh, you know, we're not going to be totally mean. No, of course not. But He's a, he's a believer over there. So. We aren't gonna... I'm not a believer. No, let's, let's just calm it down. Disclaimer. All the stuff about the crypto zoos and all the things you say you pick on me for, you, David yeah. Icke man. I'm not a David Icke man. You are. He says <laughs> You're an Icke-ite. some of his theories are, I think, definitely true, but most of them are. Some of it, I'm holding you to that. Let's take the important okay, statement right. from I'll that put sentence. put a list together if you want. Some of his theories are definitely true. Yeah. Well, let's, we're going to go through the article. We'll see which ones of his theories yeah. okay. fall into that category. All right. David Vaughan Icke is an English writer, public speaker and former professional footballer and sports broadcaster. He promotes conspiracy theories about global politics and has written extensively about them. Quite the smorgasbord of a career there. It's not a natural progression, is it? No. Vinnie Jones is hopefully not going to start telling us about how 9-11 was all masterminded by Bush or something. It seems (laughs) unlikely. Icke was born in Leicester General Hospital to Berwick Vaughan Icke and Barbara J. Icke. So he's a local boy, local to us. Yep. 
depends where you're listening from as to whether he's local to you. If you're listening in Leicester, he's very local to you. I'll pretend that I knew that before <laughs> I picked this <laughs> yeah, article I had no idea. as a local link. He was always a loner, spending hours playing with toy steam trains and preferring to cross the street rather than speak to anyone. He attended Whitehall Infant School, then Whitehall Junior School, where he spent most of his time feeling nervous and shy, often to the point of almost fainting during the morning assembly and having to leave before he passed out. The family doctor suggested a referral to a child psychologist, but his father refused. Oh, All of this could have been stopped. Nips in the bud. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. nip it in the bud. <laughs> What's the source for that? Seems like oh, a bit it's of his conjecture. autobiography. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> oh, God. He's I was thinking that as well. In his own words, he was an incompetent child. Full He's of just fear. shy. He misunderstood. When he was nine, he was chosen for the junior school's football team. It was the first time he had succeeded and he came to see football as his way out of poverty. He played in goal, which he writes, suited the loner in him and gave him a sense of living on the edge between hero and villain. Wow. That's a bit That's a bit Gotham, isn't it? Yeah, this has come from his own autobiography, so he's basically writing his origin story yeah. there, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> he was living on the edge between hero and villain. What is that, that edge called? Being a the, fantasist the about conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> After failing his 11 plus exam in 1963, he was sent to the city's Crown Hill Secondary Modern School rather than the local grammar school. Oh, that's where it all went wrong. He decided to leave school at 15 after being talent spotted by Coventry City, who signed him up in 1967 as their youth team's goalkeeper. It's all looking great for David Icke at this yeah. stage, isn't it? You're thinking. You know, troubled childhoods. He was a exactly. loner. Struggling to get through. Oh. Found his talent with his feet yep. and his hands. Yeah. Suddenly, football team. <laughs> Gets to use all four limbs. Yeah. Yeah. Other football players don't get to do that. Goalkeepers. No. All I the bet limbs. the uh, girls were coming running as well. I bet. Do you know what I mean? So, At what this could stage, possibly go wrong? What could go wrong? Rheumatoid arthritis oh. is the answer to that question. <laughs> Um, which was oh. in his left knee and later oh. spread to his right knee, ankles, elbows, wrists and hands. That affects all of his limbs that he's Shit. good at. Oh. Don't be so flippant. This is a man's career. You leave him alone. It's okay, because I don't know if you know the spoiler, but he reinvented himself. Despite often being in agony during training, he managed to play part-time for Hereford United before the pain in his joints forced him to retire in 1973 at the age of 21. That's very young. That is a young age for retiring. I feel Let's... like I've brought a depressing article at this stage. Oh, don't worry about that. But the point is, we know that he manages to make a living Does. later on. And pretty much straight away, because he becomes a sports presenter. The loss of his position with Hereford meant that he and his wife had to sell their home, and for several weeks they lived apart, each moving in with their parents. But he found a job in 1973 as a reporter with the weekly Leicester Advertiser. He moved on to the Leicester News Agency and through them did some programmes for BBC Radio Leicester, and then worked his way up through the Loughborough Monitor, the Leicester Mercury, and BRMB Radio in Birmingham. Becoming quite the... Yeah, that contradicts this notion of him being this very shy, very incapable woman, Exactly, it, yeah. It? It's almost as if it's of his own design that he wants people to think that. No. Oh. Um, what are you saying? That might be a bit cynical, because I think everyone would describe themselves like... Oh, not everyone, but a lot of people would describe themselves as a bit of a loner when they're not really. It's very you know, rare. That's the point I'm making. Yeah, but you're saying that he's he's describing himself 
because he wants some sort of gain from it. But you might, that's just, I think that's quite a natural okay, thing. Okay, fair enough. To say, like, no, oh, I'm a, a bit of an introvert. That's a reasonable point. I, I apologise, yeah. Mr. Ike. I'm sure <laughs> there's going to be other stuff I can criticise you for you <laughs> to make up for it. But so far, so good. He's, you know, he's had a troubled childhood. He's on the up. He's on, yeah, all his limbs stopped working. Then he's got a job doing presenting. Seized like it's the tin man well. is the picture He's that just I waiting got. for the Walkers deal, isn't he, here? Footballer turned presenter from Leicester. Yeah, I'm trying to think of something better than Salt and Lanica and I can't get anything. <laughs> <laughs> Smoky bi- bicon? Uh, no, that's terrible. <laughs> that's good. Sorry. End the yeah, podcast well there because we've hit the peak. Uh, Pikeled onion. I like it. That's better. He continued to work for BBC Sport until 1990, often on grandstand and snooker programmes, and also at the 1988 Summer Olympics. But despite his professional success, a career in television began to lose its appeal for him. No. Oh, he's a household name. Everything's going so well. I but know. It's not enough. It's just not got the grab. It's all superficial. His contract with the BBC was terminated in August 1990, owing to a political row when he refused to pay his community charge, better known as the poll tax, a tax introduced that year in England by Margaret Thatcher. Boo. Oh, yeah, I like Boo. this. Yeah. <laughs> the, that was beautiful. That was good. That wasn't even Synchronistic. rehearsed. That wasn't, no. The, the last time that we... Um, Pavlovian, that. <laughs> yeah. The last time we mentioned that, which was a good few episodes ago, there was edited in a five-minute bleep of expletives that I used to describe her, as oh, I recall. Yeah. He did end up paying his poll tax, but his announcement that he was willing to go to jail rather than pay prompted the BBC to distance itself from him. Ike had begun to flirt with fringe medicine and new age philosophies in the 1980s. <laughs> I've never flirted with fringe flirt. medicine. <laughs> I have, but I'm pretty desperate at the minute. So. <laughs> I've met this fringe medicine on Tinder. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that was in the 1980s in an effort to find relief from his arthritis. Aww. And this encouraged his interest in green politics. Growing up, I don't remember him. I was a bit too young to remember him as a sports broadcaster, but I do remember him being the voice of the Green Party. How does fringe medicine... I mean, this is a big jump. His new age philosophies in the 1980s and medicine encouraged him and his interest in green politics. I think it's hippy-dippy shit. Right, I think that the, the hippy-dippy stuff all just kind of... I'm allowed to say that because I'm vegetarian. Yeah, so it's, so it's respectful. It's the hippy-dippy shit, so it's like a swinging blue jeans song. He was regularly present at high-profile events. He was invented in 1989 to debate animal rights during a televised debate at the Royal Institute of Great Britain alongside Tom Regan, Mary Warnock and Jermaine Greer. I know one of those three names. Same. Mm-hmm. World-famous transphobe Jermaine Greer. <laughs> yeah, fuck off, Greer. What's she done? The, the, she's waded into an argument she has no need to be in and it's just undermined any good work she may have done during yeah. the rest of her life well, her by turning into a crazy wading into things mm. that seems to be what she does primarily yeah. but then is it kind of the media's fault that they've jumped on that she said one thing that's wrong and then refused to apologize for it as well and uh, well to, yes okay and agreed. she's used the defense this isn't my area of expertise which is a legitimate expert um, um excuse yeah but i probably wouldn't yeah i probably wouldn't say it on not television to keep going back to yes She's in a position where she could educate herself and she could learn yeah, that what she right. said has been totally right. massively inappropriate towards the trans community. In September 1990, his name appeared on advertisements for a children's charity along with Audrey Hepburn, Woody Allen and other celebrities. I mean... Celebrities doing work for children's charities always ends up fine. Everything's good. All above board. <laughs> all above board. No lie. That actually ties in with one of his later theories. I don't know if you... Read ahead, I have, because I brought the article. Oh, I don't oh, think I have. No, I don't know that. 
Continue. Despite his success... <laughs> that was very ordered. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> She's too comfortable already. I, <laughs> I like so it. That was, that was the sort of professionalism I'm not used to from my co-hosts. <laughs> Despite his success, he wrote that 1989 was a time of considerable personal despair for him. And it was during this period that he said he began to feel a presence around him. See, we're getting into Ike yeah. territory now that we all know and love. In March 1990, while standing in a news agency, he felt that a magnetic force was pulling his feet to the ground. Gravity. Yeah. <laughs> that's what that's called. Come on, Ike, that's not even a difficult one. <laughs> I found this bit hilarious. I actually highlighted this in my prep because it's always in such unremarkable circumstances that these things happen. In a news agent, mm. why get, is it never... And then yeah. out of the shops, all of a sudden. It's it's when you're at your most bored, isn't it? You know what? Oh, <laughs> God, I'm in the news agent. There's a queue. Life is boring. I've got an idea. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. I'm suddenly more aware of things just so that I can avoid the headlines on the newspapers. Lizards. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> can we get a lizard jingle? <laughs> we are desperately short of jingles. We ought to get some more jingles in the bag. I don't think we ought to go full American Breakfast Radio mm. honky comedy noises to interject. <laughs> Although I have heard some podcasts do lizard. it and it's awful. <laughs> that, was good. that one could be one. Just, uh-uh. When things are going a bit too mental, you can do the David Icke lizard noise. Yeah. In March 1990, while standing in a news agency, he felt that a magnetic force was pulling his feet to the ground and said he heard a voice tell him to look at a particular section of books. A shopkeeper? Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah well, you look like a freak. Go and read those books, <laughs> <Yeah>. mate. <laughs> it's like, oh, shit, I'm not like, selling those ones about lizards. Yeah. Someone will, someone will go for it. <laughs> Why did I order these? <laughs> One of the books was by Betty Shine, a psychic healer in Brighton. He decided to visit her to ask for help with his arthritis. How can a psychic help with a degenerative psychic healer well, <laughs> psychic healer sorry the answer they can that. heal I've been hired that's, that's, their, that's their job it's, in, it's literally in the title I should, happens, have, yeah. I should have known they so, so sorry I'm you not. should go and see one if you've got any ailments I will I'll sort it right out Betty Shine she's in Brighton Shine told him during their third meeting that she had a message for him from the spirit world she said that he had been sent to heal the earth and would become famous but would face opposition are we in the territory of bits that you believe yet Jack Um, (laughs) I believe that this happened I don't believe that he is that but I believe that Betty Betty just talked shit fed him a lie Betty thought I could do with a bit of cash she thought he's a bit malleable I can yeah. shape him into yeah. whatever freak I need him yeah. to be like with his floppy hair coming down yeah. the path yeah here's an easy mark easy. cha-ching and she knew it was coming anyway because she's psychic. Exactly. Mm-hmm. She was probably the person in the shop just wearing a moustache. Yeah. Trying to sell her own book. Yeah. It was the long con. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the spirit world was going to pass ideas to him which he would speak about to others, sometimes not understanding the words himself. Convenient. <laughs> yeah. She said he would write five books in three years that in 20 years there would be a different kind of flying machine. This is very random. Where we could go wherever we wanted and time would have no meaning. Concord. So the yeah. context, right, this is 1989, so this should have come to pass in 2009, which Concord was done remember. by then. Yeah. 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 Uh, where we could go wherever we wanted and time would have no meaning. And there would be earthquakes in unusual places because the inner earth was being destabilised by having oil taken from the seabed. What do you define as unusual places? Do you mean places not on a fault line. It's like Chichester, I'd imagine. Mm. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's quite unusual, <laughs> isn't it? I was there at Christmas, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Did you take any oil out of the earth while you were there? I didn't. I wish I had. 
just to help David out with his theories, but no, I didn't. Well, it would have brought about bad things, so probably a good job you didn't. Yeah, well. In February 1991, Ike visited the pre-Inca Silustani burial grounds near Puno, Peru. See, now, to me, David Ike at this point, he's got a lot of beads on. (laughs) 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 He's like a lot of beads. Bead count is hard. Got a, cup, a bit henna. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the Hessian ratio in his wardrobe oh, is going yeah. up. Very high. <laughs> so he's gone to Peru. While there, he said he felt drawn to a large mound of earth. Commonly known as a hill. (laughs) (laughs) At the top of which lay a circle of waist-high stones. As he stood in the circle, he said he had two thoughts. That people will be talking about this in 100 years. I think they will. (laughs) And it would be over when he felt the rain. That's very sort of apocalyptic, Mm. isn't it? You feel like rain is an actual physical rain there. You feel like rain might be synonymous with the end of the earth. He said his body started shaking as though plugged into an electrical socket and new ideas began to pour into him. Sounds like epilepsy. (laughs) (laughs) He just had a seizure. Sounds sound a lot like that. Then it started raining and the experience ended. He described it later as... The Kundalini, a term from Indian yoga, activating his chakras or energy centers, triggering a higher level of consciousness. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. This Ooh, man is deeply Lordy. mentally ill. I bet he's And you're all just bendy, laughing. Though. Well, I'm not having it. There's a lot of yoga, a lot of beads, very mm. bendy man. Yep. He returns to England and began to write a book about the experience. At a Green Party conference on the 20th of March, 1991, he resigned from the party, telling them he was about to be at the centre of tremendous and increasing controversy and winning a standing ovation from them after the announcement. Wow. I remember this happening because nobody really realised that he'd gone mad at this stage. Right, Because he was a pretty serious political figure. And the Green Party was really making waves at this point because they'd sort of come from nowhere. And so everyone thought that, yeah, he was someone that's going to get elected (laughs) as MP and that could really be a voice of the movement. And didn't realise what was happening inside his little oh, cracked no. brain. Hmm. This is quite sad. I'm sorry, guys. I do feel a little bit sorry for him. I do, but he hasn't helped himself, has he? No. Or, or should I say, no one seems to have helped him. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I no mean? Everyone's just in. been like, oh, yeah. this is a bit mental, but I see where he goes. <laughs> no one's come over to him and said, David. Do you want to? Should we just? Do you want a brew? You okay, man? <laughs> just, just a little, just like a, have a little biscuit. Come on. Yeah, on, put stop. you aside. Yeah. No, no, no one's done that. No, no. We, we, and um, I don't really have the means to. So he to... went to his, co- his conference and just said, guys, something's <laughs> going to kick off. Yeah. These days, <laughs> if a politician just said, I'm going to be in, in the centre of some controversy, and then just stepped down, not one person would be standing. There'd be about no. eight press people well, yeah, on yeah. them. They'd think, be... well, yeah. <laughs> good though if David Cameron did come out and just say, Right, listen, you're going to hear a lot of stuff. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it almost might sound like I had intercourse with Pig. It might sound like that. It might sound gonna like that. There's going to be controversy. There's going to be some controversy. Bear in mind, when I stuck my, uh, in that pig, I was told to do so on a mountain in Peru. So, you know, yeah. who wouldn't? Exactly. Who wouldn't in that Being surrounded by stones. <laughs> um... I just edited myself from saying the word penis. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you look at that like you're a little child. You look at the floor. Like... Penis. <laughs> also, I feel like 
When he stood in the, in the middle of the stones and uh, felt an electrical presence, it says he then returned to write a book about it. How many words can you get out of that? It's like, <laughs> oh, here's your advance, David. 70,000 words on those stones, please. Yeah, you're going to need to pad. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to need to pad. And that's what everything else he's done since yeah. has been, just padding. <laughs> what followed was what Ike calls his turquoise period. This makes me so happy because it sounds like something the Bee Gees did. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember their turquoise period? Yeah, I had all the albums. It was great. I feel like there should be a lot of Polonex. <laughs> <laughs> he writes that he had been channeling for some time and had received a message through automatic writing that he was a son of the Godhead. Interpreting Godhead as the infinite mind. What is a non-infinite mind? Surely all our minds are infinite if you talk about them as a mind. No, mine's very limited. Yeah. (laughs) There's always an exception to prove the rule. There we go. The second you started saying, what is an infinite mind, my brain went, nope. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so this is one of the things that you agree with David Icke on. (laughs) Oh, um, we're about to find out why it was called the turquoise period. He now began to wear only turquoise, which he saw as a conduit for positive energy. Oh, that makes sense He'd had his colours done, like people used to Mm. do in the 90s. Yeah, I feel that way about purple. You do. Warming tones Mm. to complement your skin tone. And your chakras. Mm. You're not wearing any purple. Your chakras look all out of balance today, Chris. There's no purples. No, that's why. I wear a lot of purple. Mm. Not in like a prince way. Right. <laughs> Head to toe purple at any social occasion. He looks like a big bruise. <laughs> <laughs> he met Deborah Shaw, an English psychic living in Calgary, Alberta, oh, in August we... 1990. And after he returned from Peru, they began a relationship which led to the birth of a daughter in December 1991. At one point, Shaw moved in with him and his wife... Shaw changed her name to Marie Shawson while Ike's wife became known as Michaela, which she said was an aspect of the Archangel Michael. This is getting a bit culty, isn't it? They became known in the press as the Turquoise Triangle. Maybe that's where Mm. I got the Bee Gees from, because I I imagined three. (laughs) (laughs) And them always standing in formation, standing up only for a key change. There's obviously something about his ability to speak to people. This is the thing, it's it's almost not mental illness here, it's more sort of cult, mm. All you know, brainwashy, sort of... yeah, a bit brainwashy, you know. A bit brainwashy. Yeah. Well, anyone that's in, like, culty <laughs> is very good at public speaking. Like, a bit generally. culty, a just bit reminds culty. me of, like, a bit stabby. Like, yeah. <laughs> just a little bit a culty. Bit, <laughs> you know. You know, you're fine on the most part, but you're just a little bit culty. <laughs> In March 1991, a week after he resigned from the Green Party and shortly after his father died, the three of them held a press conference to announce that Ike was a son of the Godhead. <laughs> just just someone like called a... him a dickhead and he misheard <laughs> and all this has happened. How do you, do you like have to fund your own press conference? Like what if I was like, I'd, uh, Chris, I'd like to hold a, a press conference to announce mm. that I'm great. Could you... Uh... I'll sort that out. Thank you. Straight away. Cheers. If I was a member of the press at the time, I'd want to be there. Well, I'd want to have a look. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh that's true. At this, absolutely. At this parade. He said that the world would end in 1997. Wrong. <laughs> preceded by a number of disasters, including a severe hurricane around the Gulf of Mexico and New Orleans, eruptions in Cuba, disruption in China, a hurricane in Derry. What? Uh, <laughs> Derry in Ireland? Derry? 
Is there another Derry? <laughs> there's there's no other Derry. And an earthquake on the Isle of Aran. <laughs> what? Specific. Oh, come oh. on. Like, I can believe the hurricane around the Gulf of Mexico. I've highlighted I can believe the, the disruption in China. <laughs> Amazing. Los Angeles would become an island, New Zealand would disappear, <laughs> and the Scott. cliffs of Kent would be underwater by Christmas. Not False. the cliffs of Kent. <laughs> He told reporters the information was being given to them by voices and automatic writing. Siri! <laughs> <laughs> he wrote in 1993 that he had felt out of control during the press conference. Shocker. He heard his voice predict the end of the world and was appalled. <laughs> I was speaking the words, but all the time I could hear the voice of the brakes in the background saying, David, what the hell are you saying? <laughs> that was my David Icke impersonation there. <laughs> David! <laughs> David, what the hell are you saying? Are you sure that that wasn't just everybody else? <laughs> Not just the voice of his own head. <laughs> May well have been. His predictions were splashed all over the next day's front pages to his great dismay. See, now at this point though, that bit there specifically, that is mental illness. If he's having to, if he's having a conflicting battle in his head uh-huh. with himself. But he's still me. pulling, isn't he? I mean, he's got two wives at this point. I can't even get a text back. <laughs> <laughs> David Icke's got some kind of sex commune going on. Yeah. So take notes. <laughs> <laughs> if you hold a press conference, mm-hmm. you want it in the press, so you can't be dismayed when it's all over the front page. Yeah, he must have it's intended to say something. What was it that he really wanted to yeah. say? If this was just foisted upon him without against his wishes by a higher power. Yeah. Peter Andre holds press conferences every week, but he's never on the front page. You should be. Somebody like that. I was just trying to think of good a shit man. celebrity. Good old Pondre. He's such a good dad. I love Pondre. Such a good dad. He's such a good guy. He's lovely. <laughs> <laughs> he is, though, isn't he? Yeah, yeah he, he is. He's a really oh, nice man. I already know more about him than I did before this conversation by knowing that he was referred to oh, as Pondre. Right. Granddad. He's oh. not, I just did. I just... I refer to him as Pondre as well, though. Well, yeah, it's not like I invented it, but, no, but still. It's, it's not yeah. common. It's, it's not a like it's bonding moment. It's not like it's called that in the press. <laughs> Terry Wogan interview. This is a big moment. This is a big yeah. moment. And this is, because, this is relevant and as well. We should explain Wogan's just dead. It's just Wogan dead. Is fr- <laughs> freshly dead. Recently dead, Can Terry Wogan. Well? Let's be a little <laughs> bit more respectful than that. For international listeners who might not know who Terry Wogan is, and I think that their life has been lessened for not knowing who Terry mm. Wogan is because he yeah. is a national treasure. Yes. Was a national treasure until he died last week. He was a radio presenter and talk show host from um, Ireland. Who Sir was Terry Wogan. Sir mm. Terry Wogan, who was basically loved by everybody. He yeah. raised about a gazillion pounds for charity over yeah. his life. Was so basically Jimmy the Savile. nicest man in the world. So was Jimmy Savile. Oh, always. Sorry, always. no, but... Poor Terry Wogan. <laughs> I uh, mean, I'm not, I'm not disputing what you're saying about Jimmy Savile, but context... Okay, let's give Terry Wogan his five minutes. All right, I just wanted to make sure Savile got his weekly mention. Terry Wogan (laughs) was actually probably the only person in the Venn diagram of 1970s TV presenters and people not in jail. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. that we know of. Well, yeah. There is that. Yeah. <laughs> we know of. Well, he might have. He might have <laughs> I was trying to can't label the dead. That's the important thing. <laughs> that, <laughs> I'm not. Look, I love Wogan, but you know he was around in the 1970s, so he's probably done something bad. He can't label the dead. It's fine. That, that doesn't make it fine. <laughs> you know, I like the way you just went. You can't label the dead. <laughs> <laughs> So in the 1980s, Terry Wogan had a very popular chat show because there was only three channels back then. Yeah. And so nobody had anything to watch except Terry Wogan chuntering on. I was never really a fan of his, if I'm honest. But he was lovely, mm. but I never needed to watch him in any context. No. Uh, uh, Eurovision commentary, come on. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah, 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 of course. Always back to Eurovision with you. No, but 
Come on. All right, that yeah. is probably the thing that he's most loved for by by the people. Younger, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, we we aren't old enough to remember his chat show. I remember mm. him from points of well, obviously other <gasps> things. Do you remember points yes, of view? Yes, I used to love points yeah, of view. Yeah, but there was one points of view where Terry Rogan decided to oh, just sit, yes, legs completely apart, and his his yes. penis. <laughs> it wasn't like he was wearing trousers. Yeah, Hello, but it was Terry. It was very oh. visible. Terry Wogan. Whoa. That's what called him. I mean, it was massive. I had a text from my sister's boyfriend two hours after he died saying, Terry Wogan. And I was like, that's uh, the yeah. quickest joke I've had. Quick. The headlines attracted an invitation to appear on Terry Wogan's BBC primetime chat show Wogan on the 29th of April 1991. When asked if he was claiming to be the son of God, Ike did not disagree and, amid <laughs> laughter from the studio audience, he surmised that natural disasters would occur as the Earth dispersed accumulated negative energy. There are a couple of questions. First of all, why you? And secondly, if I may say so, you have confused the message by an awful lot of predictions. Mm -hmm. you, you've told us that there are going to be mm. earthquakes mm -hmm. or, and, and some of them are going to happen quite soon. Yeah. Well, two things to that. Um, first of all, why me? Well, why anybody? I mean, people would have said to Jesus and many other people like Jesus that have not been written into history, they would have said, why you? You're a carpenter's son, for goodness sake. Who the heck are you? So, so, that, that's, that's, so, yeah, so but, why but anybody? You are, you are you're saying you're, you're part of, you were part of Jesus' soul before. Precisely. You were also part of many other people's lives on the way through As history. As we all have been. Many, we, we've all been uh, on this earth and uh, incarnated into different physical bodies many times. It's called reincarnation. The other point you bring up about the predictions. Yes. If I am given information from beings who have proved to be perfectly accurate day after day after day and things they've told, told, told us are going to happen and they happen. They told you Saddam Hussein was dead and he's That's not. That's right. He's, yes, he is. Well, he, well, I watched his birthday party on the television yesterday. All I, can, all I can say to you is all that glitters is not gold. Hang about and watch and wait. This is kind of the part where, I don't know if this is what you meant, Jack. I mean, the way he's put it is completely bonkers, but is he talking kind of about global warming here, or am I totally off the mark? I mean, yeah, yeah. Because the, the little paragraph that he's there, about to really. say, I mean, it's got a, some religious undertones, which I don't agree with, but... What he actually says is very depressing, but it's not totally well, should mental. We, should we read it? Because at yes. the minute you sound, from what we've read so far, you sound insane. Right. <laughs> sorry. And I do too, <laughs> agreeing with you. So let's, let's read yes, sorry, what that's, he said. No, I've made that okay. because, um, Jack, would you like to do the honours? Oh, I, don't, I, don't I don't have a David Icke voice. Do you best. When you survey the world today, when a child dies in this world of preventable disease every two seconds... When the economic system of this world must destroy the earth simply for that system to survive, when you see all the wars, and when you see all the pain, and when you see all the suffering, is it a force of love and wisdom and tolerance that is in control of this planet? See, I don't think it's a force in control of it, but, but the point he's making is that there's a lot of shit going down. Yeah. Yeah, and that he's not said anything that bonkers there. Yeah, that, but... that was an isolated speech. is not... Yeah. But there is a screen grab here. Um, of Terry Wogan in his nice suit and David Icke in a... In a shell, shell suit. Shell <laughs> suit. <laughs> so, Looking you know, like Harry Enfield's character. Yeah. Um, I'm going to struggle with him. <laughs> it was 1991. It was a simpler time. Yes. yes. But next, 
you'll see that Wogan doesn't come off well. Sorry, Terry. Wogan commented that the audience were not laughing with Ike, they were laughing at him. The interview proved devastating for Ike. The BBC was criticised for allowing it to go ahead. Des Christie and The Guardian called it a media crucifixion. Ike disappeared from public life for a time, unable to walk down the street without people mocking him. Aww. That's not very nice, is it? It's not. But Terry Wogan apparently always felt bad for saying that sentence and, and harboured quite a lot of guilt over it. And we've all said that one joke, haven't we, in public where we've thought, ooh, that's too far. Yeah, most, yeah. Days, most days. Most days, yeah. <laughs> Sadly. Yeah. And we, not edited and out in real life. No. Oh, I feel could edit in real life. That would be good. Can you start that? That would be amazing. I haven't really got time. Right. It's a big job exactly. you asked me to That's take the only on reason that. I came here today. To Sorry yeah. for that. So, well. wasted journey. <clears throat> Ike told John Ronson in 2001, do you want to continue to be the voice of Ike or shall I take over? <laughs> okay, I'll do it. One of my very greatest fears is, I wish I could do a John Ronson voice instead. John Ronson is in the author. Yes, as a child was being ridiculed in public. That's not bad. I mean, it's quite rude, but it's not bad. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, One of my very greatest fears as a child was being ridiculed in public. And there it was coming true. As a television presenter, I'd been respected. People come up to you in the street and shake your hand and talk to you in a respectful way. And suddenly, overnight, this was transformed into (laughs) Ike's a nutter. Sorry. (laughs) I couldn't walk down any street in Britain without being laughed at or someone shouting... Ike, you're a nutter. <laughs> it was a nightmare. Sorry. My children were devastated because their dad was a figure of ridicule. I'm only laughing at the succinctness of Ike's a nutter. Ike's a nutter. Not mm. at this horrible thing that happened to him. As slogans go, it's a good one. Yeah. But I mean, if you will go on TV and talk about those things, you are kind of inviting it a little bit. Well, he said on the day of Terry Wogan's death, he said that the mass ridicule that ensued set me free of fearing yeah. what others say and think. It was a gift for which I will always be grateful. My condolences to his family. It's like you so go didn't between damage him thinking David end. Icke is actually an alright guy with some extreme views and then thinking, no, he's totally yeah. off the deep end. Yeah. Because that's quite a nice thing to say. Yeah, I'm flip-flopping all over the place with Ike. <laughs> I can't get a hold on what I think. Flip-flopping with Ike. <laughs> Sounds like <laughs> an Alan Partridge TV show. show idea, doesn't it? <laughs> Hostelling with Chris Eubank. I'll write that down in Flip-flopping with David Icke. (laughs) Flip-flopping with Ike. Ike argues that human civilization was created by a network of secret societies run by an ancient race of interbreeding bloodlines from the Middle and Near East, originally extraterrestrial. So he's he's left the realms of sanity now. Mm. He's off. Is he the Tom Cruise of the 1980s sporting world? Yes, Yes, he is. But Cruz never comes out and says it, does he? No. He knows tell. better. You can tell by his face. Oh, you yeah. Behind yeah. the eyes. That's, it's working out well for him. I mean, he doesn't want to rock the boat, but he doesn't ever go into the mm. exact detail mm. of how I once kicked Tom Cruise. This is an anecdote I need to hear. <laughs> Last year, um, I was having dinner with my mates in London and Soho House, which is like a private members club, was opposite this place. And we saw Tom Cruise go in. My mate was like, oh my God, Tom Cruise has just gone into Soho House. So obviously we just finished up as quickly as possible. Luckily, my mate I was with is a member of this place. And we went into Soho House and we were like, where's Tom Cruise? Where's yeah. Tom Cruise? It's not the etiquette of a no. private <laughs> members club. <laughs> You're supposed to you know, be sat next to Tom Cruise and be like, like, yeah, sure, it's Tom Cruise, whatever. Um, we were As I am, whenever, every time I've met him, I've hysterical. just been like, it's just Tom yeah. Cruise, just like, oh, no, <laughs> yeah. I, don't want, I don't want to interrupt his dinner. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and so we went in and the guy was like, okay, I'm not supposed to tell you, but he's in the circle bar. So we were like, right, 
off we go. And I was thinking, I'm just going to brush past him on purpose so that I can then say, I've touched Tom Cruise. But on my way, <laughs> on my way into said circle bar, trying to look for Tom Cruise, well, lower. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, <laughs> I tripped over somebody's foot and lo and behold, it was Tom Cruise. And he was sitting down and I tripped over his foot. And before I looked around to see who it was, I said sorry as I was turning around. And I went, oh, I'm sorry, Tom Cruise. <laughs> <laughs> and he was so nice. And he was like, oh, my God, no, it's me. Sorry, I'm so sorry. And I was like, oh, that was good. <gasps> it's Tom Cruise. And then obviously we sat on the other side of the sofa to him and stared at him whilst pretending we weren't staring at him, just saying, telling everyone in our phone that we were sat on a sofa with Tom Cruise. He didn't try to marry you or anything? Uh, no. He didn't, but he, I mean, he, he didn't just... seem a massive weirdo in the 20 minutes that I didn't speak to him. So he was just sitting on the sofa. He was sitting on he a sofa. jumping all over. He was having a phone, <laughs> exactly, yeah. He was having a phone call with someone, which we desperately tried to listen into, but we couldn't hear. He had a guy with him and a girl with him, and I think the guy was his bodyguard, but he was kind of in, you know, they were in a private members club. They didn't yeah. think lunatics were going to descend on them and, <laughs> and try and trip over their feet and kick them and stuff. And my friend had had a few drinks, and she kept, like, leaning on his coat just to say, like, she touched Tom Cruise's coat. I was starting to think maybe we're weirder than Tom Cruise in this story. His bodyguard clearly cottoned on to what yeah. she was doing and just went... Please get off Mr. Cruz's coat. <laughs> she was just so embarrassed. She was like, okay, yeah, you've, you've seen what I'm doing there. So. That anecdote is 500 times better than any anecdote we've had. I don't know, that Kanicki one show. was pretty good. That's, yeah, that is pretty good. That is pretty good. That was a good impression. That was very Thank good. Thank you. Yeah. And he's not that short. I think he's the same height as me, actually, and I get a really? lot of for being How short. How tall are you? I'm five, just shy of five eight. Okay. But people think yeah, I'm a lot shorter. Right. People it... always think I'm really short, and I'm not that short. I'm just normal. It's not that normal. It's pretty short. It's but Tom Cruise, <laughs> Tom Cruise isn't five eight, is he? He's five, He's about my height. I'm five seven. He was about my height, really? but he was wearing a Cuban heel. <laughs> ah, well, yeah, there is that. We should have guests on more often. Your anecdotes are shit, Chris. <laughs> I've tried really hard. Where were we? Somehow we got on to Tom Cruise. Sorry, yes. Tom, here's David Icke, the Tom Cruise yeah. of the 1980s sporting world. Yeah, don't apologise for an anecdote <laughs> of that quality. Ike argues that human civilization was created by a network of secret societies run by an ancient race of interbreeding bloodlines from the Middle and Near East, mm -hmm. originally extraterrestrial. Ike calls them the Babylonian Brotherhood. The Brotherhood is mostly male. Their children are raised from an early age to understand the mission. Those who fail to understand it are pushed aside. Wow. The spread of the reptilian bloodline encompasses what Norman Sims calls an odd and ill-matched group of people, extending to 43 American presidents, right. three British and two Canadian prime ministers, various Sumerian kings and Egyptian pharaohs, and a small number of celebrities, including <laughs> Bob Hope. Yeah. <laughs> Bob. Bob Hope Why done? Bob Hope? Poor Bob Hope. Key Brotherhood bloodlines are the Rockefellers and the Rothschilds, various European royal and aristocratic families, the establishment families of the eastern United States and the British House of Windsor. Ike identified the Queen Mother in 2001 as 
Seriously reptilian. Well, she was about 90. She probably yeah. did look a bit flaky. Seriously reptilian. Mate, she is, like, seriously scaly. Mate, she, <laughs> she isn't just a normal reptile. She is seriously yeah. reptilian. Yeah. Uh, the, Ro- the Rothschilds That's... thing, is that just anti-Semitism? It seems quite pointed that it would that he would explicitly say Middle and Near East for no reason and then yeah. go on to describe a lot of people who aren't remotely Middle or Near East. Yeah. It's almost as if David Icke's theories aren't logical. Mm. <laughs> almost as if. Mm. Icke introduced the reptoid hypothesis in The Biggest Secret in 1999. It's his biggest hit. Which mm. identified the Brotherhood as descendants of reptilians from the constellation Draco who who walk on two legs and appear human, and who live in tunnels and caverns inside the earth. He argues that the reptilians are the race of gods known as the Anunnaki in the Babylonian creation myth Enuma Elis. This is where we get into like really famous Ike territory, isn't it? Mm-hmm. This is his, yeah, this is his big hit. But in defence of Ike, and I'm, I know I've said that a few times now. But there's nothing that I've seen of the Queen or George Osborne or David Cameron that would suggest that they're not reptilians. That is very true. <laughs> like, really? Could you could you honestly 100% discount that? I feel like if you tried to drown George Osborne, he would just adapt and start breathing. The and gills with the pair. gills. Like in Waterworld. Yes. Why lizards, though? Do you know what I mean? Like, they're, what led him to they that? They just look mean. It's Shady just what they bastards. Are. Yeah. Mm. You, can't, you can't say, like... Cold-blooded. That's what I mean. Does it come from the thing of blue blood? What is that what he's got confused with? He's taken that literally. Right. Or they're lizards. Or they are lizards, yeah. But he's gone further than that. He could... If he stopped the story there and said, oh, there's this big story, they're keeping it secret from us. But he says, no, they're everywhere, they're living under our feet, they're all in the ground. And yeah. Well, we'll then provide some evidence for that. There is a burden yes, on you there to, is a burden to, of to proof back there. that up a little bit. And that's what he doesn't do. So these lizards have a powerful <laughs> hypnotic stare and their hybrid DNA allows them to shapeshift when they consume human blood. In Children of the Matrix in 2001, he added that the Anunnaki bred with another extraterrestrial race called the Nordics, who had blonde hair and blue eyes, to produce a race of human slave masters, the Aryans. (laughs) The Aryans retained many of the reptilian traits, including (laughs) cold-blooded attitudes, a desire for top-down control, and an obsession with ritual, lending them a tendency towards fascism, nationalism, and racism. So what he's done here is he's got his thing of Nordics confused with Scandinavians. He's seen a Swedish man, and he's been like, shit, they're upon us! (laughs) He doesn't know what he's doing, does he? Ikea. (gasps) With Frida Looking Glass. Oh, my God. (laughs) Some sort of Swedish furniture conspiracy. Swedes. It's all to do with the Swedes, isn't it? We've broken through the fourth wall. I haven't paid much attention. What's been going on? (laughs) I don't really know. We've worked out. Just just move on. It's something to do with flat pack furniture. The reptilians not only come from another planet, but are also from another dimension. (sighs) The lower level of the fourth dimension, the one nearest the physical world. Oh, well, that's all right. Ike writes that the universe consists of an infinite number of frequencies or dimensions that share the same space, just like television and radio frequencies. Well, Back it up with something. Yeah. Just... Is he just talking about a signal? Is that what he's got confused with? No idea. The Anunnaki are controlling this world, although just as fourth dimension dimensional reptilians control us, they are controlled in turn by a fifth dimension. Oh, so shut a, up, So this Ike. is a conspiracy inside a conspiracy. This is just... I mean, Christopher Nolan is going to be on this soon, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
It's nonsense. It's an absolute nonsense. But there is an illustration of George Bush wearing a red dress with one leg as a reptile. With a sexy queen to one side and a sexy Tony, Tony Blair? Blair to the other. A sexy Tony Blair. Have you not seen the image? I'm looking at it. And you're not I still don't think it's sexy. That's possibly the most disturbing image I've seen, and I'm a picture editor. <laughs> I think it's the weirdest thing that anyone has ever drawn. Yes. So that image is by Neil Haig from Ike's Infinite Love is the Only Truth. So he must have been commissioned for that. I wonder how that phone call went. Queen has got a nice hat on now. Well, yeah. In Infinite Love is the Only Truth, Ike introduces the idea of reptilian software. He says that there are three kinds of people. The highest level of the Brotherhood are the red dresses. These are software people. They lack consciousness and free will and their human bodies are holographic veils. He's gone into the fifth dimension here. He's the second group, the so-called sheeple. Sheeple. The vast people. Oh. Yep, the sheeple. The vast majority of humanity have what Ike calls backseat consciousness. They are conscious, but they do whatever they are told and are the main source of energy for the Brotherhood. They include the repeaters, the people in positions of influence who simply repeat what other people have told them. True. Yeah, but he's gone a bit sort of. Star Wars fanfiction. Yeah, now. I was about to say, yeah, I feel like Captain Kirk level. fought the sheeple yeah. in several episodes. It's all true, but it, it, he adds an extra layer of sci-fi yes. weirdness on top. He's kind of saying that we're all brainwashed a little bit by authority. We are. Well, then say that. Just say that, yeah. <laughs> let's say that, and let's that have a conversation fun. where <laughs> I don't judge everything that you're saying as the rantings of a madman. Would, would anyone listen to him if he said, if he just said it normally like that? Though? Well, maybe. But, but the people no. that That's did Russell listen Brand, to him would it? take it seriously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The people that did listen would take it seriously rather than thinking, what is this nonsense? Or they'd be taking it seriously and be capable people rather than the people who are taking it seriously who are themselves not jobs. The Canadian lawyer Richard Warman sued Ike for libel after the publication of Ike's 2001 book, Children of the Matrix. Warman also sued the publishers and some distributors of the book. The lawsuit was settled in 2015 when Ike and others paid Warman $210,000 in damages and legal costs and agreed to immediately cease any further distribution of Children of the Matrix and remove the defamatory material from any future editions. I mean, he's got some dollar there, hasn't he? Warman said this settlement exposes Ike's argument that no one had ever sued him because his allegations were true as nothing more than a fallacy. He said, my reputation has been entirely vindicated. David Ike's attacks against me were discussed graceful and beyond the pale but he's paid a heavy price for them and I trust this will never happen again Warman concluded by quoting from Monty Python's film The Life of Brian he's not the messiah he's a very naughty boy (laughs) so that was a wonderful talk on David Icke Mm. but it took a long time and I don't want to sound not grateful, but we're never going to fit any more into this episode. So we've made the executive decision of splitting this Wiki Shuffle special, our first special guest episode, into two pieces. Woo! So there will be more conspiracy talk this time next week. Or will there? No, there will. No, there definitely will. Yeah, there will. Yeah, there will. Yeah. We've already we've recorded, already recorded it. it. Yeah, so it. come on. Got it. Yeah. Keep so, up. Sorry. So all that remains... <laughs> All that remains is to say a massive thank you to Alex Haddo for joining us as our first guest. Thank you very much. And to Jack for turning up. Yep. Thanks. And to Chris for being here too. Thanks. A bit normal, more enthusiastic. 
<laughs> normal programming will resume on Tuesday, where you can listen to our normal Wiki Shuffle output. But we will be back with part two of the conversation with Alex mm -hmm. on next Friday. It's a cliffhanger. It is. Two-parter. Dun, dun, dun. What will happen next? Who knows? He's we, just, we, he's do. Just we know. Done the <laughs> Bye. 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 <laughs>catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started